Welcome to the Weekly Trend, a podcast for navigating the markets through the lens of technical analysis. The Weekly Trend podcast is provided for educational purposes only and does not constitute any professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the information or content without first seeking advice from a registered financial planner. Hello and welcome back to the Weekly Trend podcast. My name is Ian McMillan. My partner in crime, Dave, is enjoying a nice family vacation. So while I am actually in Milwaukee this week, this will be a solo mission on the podcast. Got the S&P trading at 4420, right below all-time highs. NASDAQ is at all-time highs at around 15,160. The Dow kind of hovering around 35,000 right now, a little bit below 34,990. And our friend, the Russell 2000, still trading at the same spot it was back in early February, 2230. So uh, lots of different stories there among the major indices. I'd say between our favorite tilts to talk about growth and value, still also a little bit of a back and forth. I'd say a slight lean towards growth. Uh, and really until banks, energy, things like that can turn it around on a relative basis, I think you've got to lean towards those growth areas. We'll get to some of those later on in the podcast. I will say uh, in the Metals and mining space steel has been strong, sold off a little bit lately. Uh, lithium and rare earth, obviously, nothing to complain about there. If you want to take a look at those charts and the individual holdings within things like LIT or REMX, very, very strong. Back on the growth train, semiconductors, I think it's very, very hard to deny the absolute and relative strength that we have seen from semiconductors this week. And this is clearly an area of the market that we want to see do very well. Obviously, AMD got a majority of the headlines, as it should, and it's it's been a great stock the last week or so. But there are lots of individual semiconductor names that look really, really strong. It's not just AMD. Lots of things in the semiconductor space breaking to new highs. I will also add that industrials, which have been in this tight range, if you look at XLI, industrials have been in a tight range for the last two or three weeks But there are select industrials that are, I think, looking pretty good. We see them every day on doubles. Definitely more in the machinery and the electrical equipment type of names. But certainly some pretty good stuff going on there. Now, the other side of industrials, you want to take a big portion, transports, Unfortunately, do continue to look pretty lackluster. Airlines look pretty bad. Trucking, I would say trucking still looks pretty decent, which is, you know, a feather to the bulls, but 
transports as a whole, big waiting there towards airlines, which is unfortunate. They look pretty, pretty rough. Retail, select retail also looking really, really strong, where it's a Costco, a Lululemon, Nike. I know BJ's has been strong. So yeah, Amazon got hit. And there's it's certainly an, a harder area to navigate than most. I mean, small cap and mid cap retail is, I mean, I'm not going to go as far as to say it's similar to biotech, but especially during, during earnings season can be a, a wonky place to navigate. But as a whole, there really continue to be some individual names that hold up well. Chewy turning around Crocs continues to look great even in the leisure space, some really good names. I do like Tesla. I was on, got a few DMs uh, over the course of this week after being on Fox. Um, we had a little chat about Tesla. I know I gave a, a pretty high price target on where I think that can go. Uh, I will let you guys go find that clip. But I had some people ask me if I was serious and I think based on a major move, I think Tesla can definitely, we'll say, I will say this, if you're curious enough uh, to go find it, I'll give you a hint. It, my price target is a four digit number on Tesla. And I think that that would do, that would be huge for the large cap consumer discretionary space. Back in crypto land. Bitcoin kind of tried to break out, get through this $41,000, $42,000 area. Ethereum right now looking like it wants to at least try to get above $2,900. Now, while these aren't really confirmed breakouts yet, I will say one interesting factor, Pratty pointed this out. Also, I saw Steve Straza point this out, Steve from All Star Charts is that Ethereum has started leading Bitcoin again on a relative basis. And I kind of like to think about this as like a, a silver to gold. Ethereum, obviously crypto's risk on, risk off in general, but Ethereum being the silver, the quote unquote more risk on of the two, looking at gold, we know in the base metals, or I'm sorry, the precious metal space, that when silver starts to lead gold, that's a pretty good sign for both of those two commodities. I would say the same goes in the crypto space with Ethereum and Bitcoin. When Ethereum starts leading Bitcoin, that's a pretty good tailwind overall for the crypto space. We'll see where those go in the coming days and weeks. Again, 2900 on Ethereum what I would be looking for. And Bitcoin, another attempt and a hold above 41, 42,000, I think can really start the beginnings of a new lake higher for both of those. Regarding the S&P, more specifically, the equal weight S&P did get to new highs. It continues to hold up, which is a great sign. We definitely don't, do not want to see a failed breakdown there. Uh, we don't want to see the average stock in the S&P turning lower. That would not be a good sign, but all things on the clear there. IWM, back to small caps. Ah, this still continues to be one of the areas that 
is a headwind and it's going to continue to hurt breadth until small caps can get it going. And again, they do not, we've talked about this a lot, Dave and I have, they do not have to outperform, but Lord have mercy, they've got to participate. IWM still really unable to get it, this. It's We know it's been in this range, the range that every technical analyst has talked about for months. What bums me out is it's still really unable to even get into the half top of this range. Now, you could say that we're there today. If you take IWM something like 222, then if we close above that, okay, we're in the back, the top half of the range again, but it's still such a messy chart. There's so much price action to the left. It's so much to navigate. 222, 223. Um, we've actually had a few attempts at this recently. July 29th, July 30th, and again on Monday, unable to get through. Kind of some disappointing candles the last couple of days in IWM. Great recovery today, of course, and they continue to save banks and things like that. So we will see. I'm not totally sold really yet on necessarily being overweight the Russell as a whole. Again, there are some select stocks and areas out there if you want to buy small caps they look great as a whole i don't have the evidence yet in my mind to really be getting strongly into small caps looking across the pond interesting turn of events european financials looking to turn around i know that's more than european banks but for this conversation we're going to talk about European banks. And I do think there are some interesting trend reversals out there on a relative basis. So an area to keep an eye on. The work from home theme picking back up. I think headlines have probably had a lot to do with that. Um, We're not going to get into the macros of the, you know, what that means for certain stocks, but those stocks tied to the work from home theme, if you want to look something like WFH, the ETF, definitely picking up some relative steam. So check those out. Staying overseas, India looks great. China continues to be ahead with our emerging market stocks. India and you've got IBM, our IBN looks great. I see ICI Bank. Uh, you've got Infosys that looks great. Um, so some large cap names there, although again, Indian small caps do look good. New relative lows for the Dow. So the dinosaur continues to underperform. You know our feelings on the Dow. If you don't, I'll just say this. I think it's a stupid index. I know it's been around for forever and it's a big, large number. So we've got to talk about it, right? Because being able to say that there's a thousand point up and down days on the Dow is an easy headline writer for the lazy journalists. But overall, it's a silly index. At no point should a price-weighted index make any sense. I guess it did probably 100 years ago when there were a lot fewer stocks. We didn't really do stock splits or anything like that. But here we are. It continues to underperform. So another more evidence that large cap value, if that's what you want to call the Dow, if I had to label it, that's what I would say. But large cap value continues to look pretty lame. 
Another point that's giving us a little bit of concern is certainly more Dave's neck of the woods, something he likes to track, but he's not here. So I'm going to bring it up, our credit spreads. So high-yield credit spreads have continued to inch higher. Nothing dramatic yet. I don't know if this means the trend is over in regards to those areas. But on that same note, high yield, the relationship between high yield bonds and treasury bonds also continues to be less than enthusiastic. So two points there regarding kind of a risk off environment in the fixed income space. We will see if that spills over into equities, you know, a well-known adage and something that we've talked about before is that many will say that the bond market is smarter than the stock market. And if that is true, then we may indeed see some weakness spill over into stocks. Now, maybe it just stays within the equity sector or the energy sector. We'll see. But something to definitely keep an eye on. Now, a feather in the cap for bulls. I will say uh, a great chart this week. I'm going to point out from Grayson Rose at stockcharts.com. He talked about equal weight discretionary versus equal weight staples. So, not just XLY versus XLP, not cap weighted, but equal weighted. So, the average discretionary stock versus the average staples stock. Another pretty good look at risk on risk off. He brought this chart up and Well, he brought it up a few days ago. We are actually now seeing a breakout in this relationship. So a good sign there. VIX. VIX seems to be turning lower. I think if we can say below 18, that's been in an uptrend since early July, late June. So a good five, six weeks here. Being able to see VIX break lower would indeed, I think, be another pretty solid headwind for stocks. All right, so two pieces of kind of news, things going on. Uh, I think they both involve interesting looks at sentiment. As we know, technical analysis is a lot about price. It's also a lot about human behavior, which we can see in price. Price is just a visual depiction of human behavior. But One story that's come out recently that I thought was pretty interesting is there is a Shork Arc ETF that is coming to market. So all the people that want to bet against Kathy can put their money where their mouth is and see if they are smarter. Now, for me, I think this is a pretty interesting look at how people real how the industry still kind of continues to view arc uh, the company and the type of stocks that they buy i wonder if this like we see so often could be a peak in the negative sentiment surrounding her funds I would say this probably would have been a little bit more better timed if this has come out in Q4 of last year or, you know, maybe even four or five months ago. Her, you know, the ARC funds have been underperforming for months now. 
I think they actually are starting to look pretty great on a relative and absolute basis. There's something I'm definitely interested in. We're interested in Tesla's going to help there. Square and things like that are going to help squares breaking out to new highs. So I think we look back in six to 12 months and we say, here was a bottom and underperformance for Kathy. I'm leaning on the, this is a buy Kathy moment. Haters going to hate. I think I'm, you know, why we haven't, why we haven't owned any ARC funds for clients in a, a while. We have in the past. And I definitely think that it's time to start taking a look at those funds and those individual names. Second piece of interesting news that came out this week, and I'm going to take a, a, a look at the the sentiment side of it, was the Robinhood IPO. So we all know what Robinhood is. It's a pretty well-known name in financial circles at this point, pretty well-known name. Outside of financial circles, I'm willing to bet. Almost everyone I know that's you know talks about stocks has heard of Robinhood or at least has a Robinhood account. So Robinhood, uh, lots of negative news coverage over the last few months. Lots of customers not happy with how they handled some of the trading regarding GameStop and AMC. Robinhood IPOs, lots and lots of negative sentiment on the internet, whether it's Twitter, StockTwits, Wall Street Bets. All of these people that are very, very upset with how they were treated with trading their meme stocks earlier in the year. And it went down quite a bit on the first day of the IPO. We actually sat around joking about how, you know, if this gets back up above its IPO price, given the amount of negativity and how much people hate this and they're talking about, you know, how can I short Robin Hood, yada, yada, yada. Huge potential for a big move. Now, did I think it was going to be up 70% the next morning? No, but it just goes to show you how quickly these things can change. IPO, I think IPO prices are great pinpoint, great price pinpoints for further along in the process. And IPO basis is something we talk about. Sometimes there are IPO bases on hourly charts. Sometimes there are IPO bases on monthly charts. Hood, now this is obviously very short term, you know, and something we don't normally do, but looking at, you know, and that's looking at sh charts on short term timeframes, you know, 50, 15 minute candles, hour candles. But uh, a chart is a chart. And again, wouldn't you know, all the hate around Robinhood and how it's such a crappy company. And yet here we are much, much, much higher from the initial IPO price. So just two things I always like to remind people when you see sentiment gets, and it doesn't always happen over the short term. Sometimes it takes a long time to build. But when you see, like with ARC, when you see these, and it, and it works both ways, it can be Cinnamon that's way too bullish, cinnamon that's way too bearish. There usually tends to be some type of intermediate, at least an inner short and intermediate term reversal. So we'll see if the those two can continue. But I know I am bullish on both Kathy and Robinhood. And a lot of that has to do with price, and a lot of it has to do with how much other people hate them. That's it for this week. 
Uh, I've got nothing else for you guys. Trends remained up. Uh, like I said earlier in this week, and something we talked about on on making money with Charles, I think it's always, always better to err on the side of optimism. If you go back and look at a chart from the day the New York Stock Exchange opened its doors, the day they started the Dow Jones, I know I'm, I know, shouldn't be quoting the Dow as much as I hate on it, but it's the one index that we have a lot of price history on, at least 130 years or so. And that chart is up and to the right. So very, very hard to be someone who wants to call tops in a very in a strong bull market. I think that's strictly an ego thing. We will let people play those games and pick tops. We're going to continue to ride the trend higher. And that's all I've got for you guys this week. Have a great weekend. 